Hey, Marie, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I am doing really well. So we recently just, we were talking about how I've been kind of saying no to certain things in my life and kind of like trying to focus. One thing I sort of like alluded to, but I hadn't quite made the decision yet, but now I have, was my other podcast, ADHD Nerds. I decided to kind of put it on pause, which I'm calling just like end of season one. Season one is complete. And I don't know when season two will start, but I noticed the ADHD nerds was like, even though I really loved it and enjoyed it and it was like super valuable, it got to the point where the stuff I wanted to do, I felt like I'd love to do this thing, but I have to schedule an interview for this thing and I have to do. And it just started to feel kind of like this weight of like, oh, I'm not enjoying it right now. It feels like it's in the way of the other things I want to focus on. So it felt like a really good time to take a break. So I know some people heard the episode and may have thought like, oh no, are they killing uh, Are they killing the, the podcast? Are they killing the weekly build? No, we have no plans to like stop or pause this show. This show, we have an editor. And so like, it's really easy to just sort of like keep it going week after week. Um, but there's a lot of the editing and the scheduling and all that that went into my other podcast. It just felt like a natural time for me to uh, take a break from that. So that's what's going on kind of there. It's not like you haven't got, you know, a ton of other things on your plate. So we <laughs> right. talked about the mental headspace topic last week and how that's not an infinite pie. And I think it makes sense for you. You've kind of you've got to sort of narrow down the different things that you're you're working on. But I like that you've kind of just put it on on hiatus, on pause. And I like the framing as well. Like season one is done. <laughs> and season two, well, we don't know yet, but when it, when that might be coming, but season one is done. It feels like a nice body of work to kind of wrap it up. Just put a bow around it. It's like, here's season one. And that's like a package that's done. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. I, I totally hear what you're saying about the scheduling thing and having guests. We don't really have guests on this show, on the weekly build. We had one guest um, but that was because you were away that week. So we, yeah, it was we more wanted... like a replacement host than a guest almost. Exactly. But, but I think even with that, I kind of felt there was a little bit more preparation needed. Like usually mm-hmm. you and I just, we just kind of jump on the call and we have a little bit of a, well, we kind of have a pre-chat as well. That's kind of funny because we're, <laughs> we're actually recording this one day late because our pre-chat Yesterday, it was so like interesting. <laughs> we ran out of time to actually record. So now we're recording a day later. Yeah, I think we, I think we talked for like an hour and a half and then ran out of t- like, oh, we, we never hit record and yeah, yeah. we don't have time to record it. So I guess we'll meet again tomorrow. <laughs> I feel like that's a common theme. Every time we're, we get on our call, it's like, oh, we should hit record. I think pretty much every time it's, mm-hmm. we say those words, oh, we should hit record. We should hit record. We're recording now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so I think that's a good move for you. And let's see how the other projects take shape. I mean, I I knew it was a good move when the moment I'd made the decision that I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. What I felt was just relief. It was just like, mm. ah, this the weight off the shoulder. And it kind of built up the excitement for the other things. Like, oh, that's going to free up time to really spend time doing this and doing that. And that's like such a, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I think it's a big deal for me because I have a really hard time saying no to things that I'm kind of excited about and I get excited about new things. So I just sort of like keep piling on new projects to where it's like sort of overwhelming. But if I had taken like all of the things that I was doing and then just said no to all of them and then said, okay, what do I, now that I'm doing nothing, which things do I miss the most? What do I want to bring back? 
I could like ranking those the that podcast because of just like the prep that it takes that was lower on the list to where it makes sense that that's kind of not going to be taking that mental headspace for right now. Yeah, I'm excited going forward, and I'm excited that I felt like it was okay to say no to something because that's something that traditionally has been really difficult for me. There's been a lot of focus for me in the last couple of months of just sort of figuring out like what do I really want to do? And as we said in our theme episode, like my theme this year is launch and I can't just continue to launch things without like sunsetting some uh, other projects. I don't want to belabor it. I've been talking about it for a while, but I love the podcast. It was great to do. It feels really great to have it paused for the moment. And I hope to at some point have that excitement back when it makes sense to jump back into that. One thing we had said in a little bit in our pre-chat and a couple of weeks before, I think we had talked about maybe discussing weekly reviews because you had tweeted about doing a weekly review and how you were finding it uh, super beneficial. And yeah, I'd love to hear how do you do a weekly review? Why is it beneficial? What does that look like? Yeah, what's that whole process? For me, it's about the, it goes back to the mental headspace, just carving out that time for myself to just take a few minutes to, to reflect because I think it's so easy. I mean, I'm so guilty of this. It's so easy just to go, 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 go and keep building stuff or keep working and not actually take time to reflect on what happened in the last day, the last week, even the last month. And as I get older, I mean, everybody says this, but as you get older, time just goes more quickly. And I feel like, okay, I need to stop and just reflect on what I've done to appreciate what I've done, but also to to think like, is this what I should be working on? You know, I guess it's like a mini version of what you were just talking about with deciding on the podcast and all that. That was based on one activity you were doing, but I like to do it on like the whole week and go, well, all these things I'm doing, uh, let's do a quick check-in with myself. Mm-hmm. Is this what I should be working on? Let me also appreciate the wins I had because you know, sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh, that was actually a really good week. But, you know, and that happened on Monday. And if that feels like three weeks ago, but it actually just happened this week. And I just find it like such a, just a calming exercise for myself. And the, the funny thing though, is whenever I have it on my to-do list, like to do my weekly review, I kind of don't want to do it. But then after I do it, I feel amazing. Yeah. And it only takes five minutes. And I keep telling myself, it only takes five minutes, just do it. And then I, after I do it, I'm like, oh my gosh, what a week. I had a good week. Puts me in a good mental headspace. It makes me feel a bit of gratitude as well. Like all these things happened and you know, it was a great week. I highly recommend doing it. It doesn't <laughs> need to take a lot of time. And that is up to you because I think if you if you create a process that is too lengthy or too complicated, of course you're not going to do it. So the key is just simplifying it. And in terms of how I do it, I use Notion, but you can use anything. I just ask myself a few questions and I always ask myself the same questions. I basically say, just write like a couple of bullet points on the summary of my week. And I go back and I look at my calendar and I look at all the stuff that happened. I look at my to-dos and I look at what I completed. And that's my summary of the week. It's just a couple of bullets going, I'm you know, last week I focused on SEO or I launched this new product feature or we had a really big win on partnerships or something like that. Mm. And then I go, okay, well, what were some highlights and what were some kind of like low lights, but I try and frame low lights as like stuff I could improve. Mm-hmm. And then I give it a rating. So out of five, I just do like five stars and I just sort of say like, is was it a good week or, you know, a bad week kind of thing. 
just a, like a single rating for the week? Yeah, just this, just one single rating. I think it's like, av- oh, sorry, it's not stars. It's it's average, good, very good. And then the other direction, it's bad, very bad. Mm. But there's five points. And the other cool thing I do, which I really love, and this might be more like a notion thing, is that I choose an image to represent the week, like just one image. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think of an example, but may- maybe you launch a feature for your product you could do a screenshot of that feature or you know one week this year we went to a co-working space so I just had like a a screenshot of the co-working space like a picture of the the co-working space right but what that does is you know when I look back on it it just kind of triggers the memory oh that was the thing this week it's kind of the, the summary thing as well like this was the main thing I did this week and you can just see it at a glance and what's cool about that is that after a few weeks you know you got 52 weeks in a year but after a few weeks, you start to see like, you know, it just builds this gallery of pictures. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the year, you're going to have like 52 um, pictures that summarize your year. And that's really rewarding. I did it once for a whole year and it was amazing. I, and I'm hoping I can keep it up. Like last year, I, I sort of did it for maybe a quarter of last year. And then I kind of fell off the, the wagon a bit. This year, I'm like, okay, get back on it because it was, it's a really good exercise. Short and sweet. Yeah. And that's how I do it. Do you use it at all also for like reviewing like to do's and stuff like that? I know like GTD has kind of their, you know, the getting things done philosophy uses like a weekly review as like a way of, you know, kind of checking in with like how, what tasks did I get done? Which ones am I going to like stop doing? Which ones am I going to do in the future? And so that's like kind of its own take on weekly review is it sounds like yours isn't really like that at all though. No. Yeah. Mine's not like that. I... I mean, I do look at my tasks and what, what did I do and then what needs to be done next week. But I don't really do that as part of the weekly review. The weekly mm-hmm. review is more an emotional and mental check-in for myself and how I'm doing and to pre- just appreciate myself. Like, oh, I did really <laughs> good this week. And I just don't feel like I do that, in, you know, or we we generally do that enough as people like, you actually did great this week. There's You must be able to find something that went well this week. And it's okay yeah. that stuff doesn't go well, but just acknowledge that as well and try and figure out why it didn't go well. For me, it's a self-reflection thing, not a productivity thing. Yeah, I think that's awesome. That's something I should probably do more. I've recently been uh, playing with uh, Tana, which is sort of similar. It's sort of like Rome Research meets Obsidian meets Notion in kind of a way. It's got its own different philosophy for doing things, but a lot of like interlinked, like Rome Research, it's like everything is a node. And so it's sort of like a different way of thinking, but I've been really enjoying that. And one of the things I've been doing with Tana so far is I've been doing like sort of like morning pages, but just like a really short version, like five minutes in the morning of just sort of like free writing, like whatever's kind of on my mind, things I'm thinking about, things I want to do for the day and stuff like that. And I'm hoping to start using it for a weekly review, kind of like you're saying. I like the way that your process sounds not too formal. And it's almost more just like a way to sort of like check in with yourself of like, hey, what did I actually do this week? Like, what did I accomplish? I know some people have talked about how keeping like a smile file, which is a new phrase I've heard for it, which is the idea of basically hanging on to things. Like when people say something nice about you or when you have some success or something like keeping a file to remind yourself of those kind of positive things that happen especially when you have ADHD, like I forget all of those things all the time. Like they just like something great, amazing happens. I'm like, woo, that's amazing. 
And then like a week later, I forget that it was ever a thing. And then something goes wrong and I just feel like the negative stuff. I remember all of that. I don't need a file to remember any of that. But the positive stuff, it's so easy for it to feel fleeting and just to like forget like, oh, hey, a lot of people think I'm awesome or I've done this great thing or, hey, look at this value that I've uh, created in the world or whatever it is. And so I love that idea of using kind of your weekly review sort of for that, for like the positive things to remember that and to just like keep it kind of a check in on yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like I recently wrote, um, well, I did my annual review, but also I did just like a post that was like my favorites of 2022. Similarly, because it's like I there's a bunch of awesome stuff that I really enjoyed last year. And I forget that those exist. I forget about movies that I loved. I forget about video games I played or books I read and things like that. And so taking that time, for me, it was like an annual one, but taking the time to like look back, like what did I really like enjoy of last year? And then it becomes kind of this touch point because I did it the year before too. And I can look back and like, oh, that's right. That's when this show came out that I really loved. And I remember watching that with my wife and we have memories of talking with these. You know, it's kind of like all these little memory touchstones of like what has happened over that time. It's something I've wanted to do. And I think maybe uh, hopefully you've kind of inspired me to lean into it more, especially with how simple the weekly review is from the version you said, like you're basically just sort mm. of like writing down a few bullets and it doesn't sound like it's too formal. Yeah. And I know like uh, Marie Poulin, uh, she also has ADHD and she goes crazy with the notion <laughs> stuff, which is amazing. I look at like, she'll do her weekly review, which has all these different fields and stats. And like, for me, that feels like overwhelming, but it totally works for her. And it gives her this amazing resource that she can look at later. And she like looks through all this stuff and like, oh, now I can see how this aspect of my life has changed over time and stuff like that, which is amazing. And it's something that I wish I could do more, but like, it's always been like too intimidating. So I love the idea of starting small of just like, just take five minutes, write down a few bullets because right now it feels like you'll remember it, but in two weeks you probably won't. So just like take that time to put those things down in writing. Yeah. And I think the key that you said was it, it just needs to work for you. So everybody's different mm -hmm. and it's a little bit meta, but you should probably do a weekly review of the weekly review. So you go, well, is this weekly review working for me? If I find like I'm not doing it, well, you probably need to, to make it more simple or change it because it's obviously not working for you because you don't want to do it. You know, I've kind of gone through that process a few times and I, I mean, it's kind of funny. I'm contradicting myself a bit because I still don't want to do it, but maybe <laughs> I need to make mine even simpler, but I still do it. So the moment I start to skip it, then I need to go, why do you keep skipping it? Because obviously there's something about it that you don't want, want to do or you've made it too difficult or whatever. But yes, I think whatever works for you and everyone's different. I like Marie Poulin's notion as well. Whenever I look at her notion, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much you could do with this tool. Yeah. <laughs> I, now, I always need to stop myself though, because, you know, as someone with ADHD, I, I think I can get carried away with it because I get excited by the possibilities, but that doesn't translate into actually using it. Right. Because I've done this before. I've gone all out. I've made the best notion like set up and everything's linked. There's like relational databases. There's all sorts of like <laughs> fields to fill in and it looks mm -hmm. amazing. And then I don't use it because I it's just overcomplicated. Mm -hmm. But somebody else who takes that might go, this is the best system ever and they can run with it, but it doesn't work for me. I just like the process of setting it up. And it's just something I'm super conscious about. I can get carried away with setting stuff up. We can link the tweet in the show notes if you want to have a look at 
my weekly review set up because it's I think it's quite simple like you said and I think it's aesthetically pleasing as well which you know that works for me I I like <laughs> things that look good I, I love design and I just like things that look good on the screen so we'll link to it it looking good and like feeling good to use is super important that's something I always care about like a lot of people really love the app obsidian which is super powerful and does a lot of things really well but there's little design things about it that I just can't get past. And so like I wanted to try and make it work. And I know you can do, there's like CSS hacks you can do to like improve some of the stuff, but it just doesn't feel good to use for me, which is one of the things I really have loved about Tana. Like Tana feels well-designed. And that's obviously, that's a great strength of Notion too. Notion's a really like simple, clean, but well thought out. Like it's clear there are people thinking about the, the UX there. And it's like, there's definitely like an art and a science to like making something look like as clean as Notion looks, that it feels nice versus Obsidian, which is also like clean, but it doesn't feel nice. And I know that's a, like subjective, but from my experience, there's a lot of like friction, it feels like in the UI. Yeah, and yeah. so I really appreciate things where there's not that friction in the UI because yeah. then I'm more likely to use it. I just found using Obsidian, even though there's power there, it just felt like friction every time I had to use it. So I'm like, oh, I don't really love using this app. Yeah. So I totally get like for me so much of what I'm trying to do with all of my systems and apps that I choose and routines and everything is lowering the friction because it doesn't take much friction to completely blow my whole system out of whack. Like just a little bit of like, I don't really like doing this thing. And then I'm like, well, I'm gonna quit doing that. And the other thing that's related with that, and I'm not gonna do this. It just sort of like can really kill the whole thing. And so, so much of what I'm trying to do is just like lowering the friction wherever I can, which is kind of opposite from how I used to do it because I used to do it more kind of what you were saying, like. I'm going to build the perfect system. And so I'm focused on trying to build this master system that accounts for everything. But then I would get bored of that. And then it was like all this like wasted effort. So <laughs> maybe this is a good segue, but speaking of friction, I think that translates into products, all the product stuff we're doing as well. It, it actually is like a really key thing that I'm looking at at the moment for Llama Life. So there's, there's so many ways to reduce friction. Some of it is just doing an, an onboarding sequence or a product tour or just making it easy for people to, to find stuff or figure out how to use your product. But we had this massive discovery last week about friction and discovery because we've been doing more analytics. And I think it's the right time for us to do more analytics because, you know, you can't, you can't do analytics if you don't have enough data to figure out what's going on. So we have some basic sort of tracking stuff in the app just to know what, what buttons people click on. Uh, we're, we're very privacy conscious, but it's more just like, okay, did someone click on a button? Have they discovered a feature? That's the kind of thing that we're looking for and to, looking to understand yeah. because it all helps us to make a better product. And we had this massive discovery last week, like there's this key feature in Llama Life called presets. So Llama Life is a task manager where you can add a timer, like a countdown timer to every single task. And that in itself is quite simple, but I do think quite powerful at the same time. But there's another feature that's called presets, which is essentially letting you create a template so you can create all these lists in advance, especially if you do these things repetitively, like say there's something you always have to do every morning, you could create that list in advance as a preset and then load it. What we did was we figured out that people discovering this preset feature 
was really related to people staying like repetitively using the app and also <laughs> um, upgrading and paying for the app. So we, we figured that out- That sounds pretty important. It's very important. So there's like a, I don't know if correlation, correlation is a very strong word, but there's a relationship between people using presets and retaining, like um, coming back to use the app. Mm -hmm. And the big discovery was that like people, like most people don't discover this feature and we don't mention it in the onboarding. And we're like, oh my gosh, that is just <laughs> a massive gap, like an, a massive sort of oversight that this is a key thing. People love it. It makes them upgrade and stay in the app, but we don't mention it. We don't really talk about it that much. So there's two things here. So one is the discovery piece and then one is actually using it. So we were talking about friction. So just bringing it back to the friction point. Yeah. We're trying to reduce the friction of discovery, like make it easy for people to discover cool features. And now we know which features to focus on, the presets. And once you discover it, like make it really easy for people to load a preset. And I think one of the key things with Llama Life is like, it's got to be, the features have to be like in your face. Yeah. Because out of sight, out of mind. And I'm very conscious of this because personally, um, as someone with ADHD, if it's not in my face, I'll forget about it. So I need to see the button there. And I almost need that button to say presets or temp templates or something because if it's just a button, I get used to it being there and then it sort of just blends into the background. I kind of need it to stand out. So we're going to be making a ton of little, going back to your point about like these little design tweaks, but little design tweaks that hopefully add up to a bigger thing, which is discovery of presets and also reducing friction to try or use a preset and be reminded, importantly, be reminded that the preset is there because so many of our users, like they'll say stuff to us like, I got your monthly newsletter. Thank you. I totally forgot about the app. I forgot to use it. <laughs> yeah. And and part of this is also because we're a web-based product. So people use it on their desktop in their browser. We're not a mobile app just yet. We are working toward that. But if you're a mobile app, you've got an icon. That icon can be in your home screen. Hence, it's in your face. Mm -hmm. And we're not in your face. So can we, you have to remember to use Llama Life, go to your browser on your desktop, open Llama Life, and then open <laughs> the Llama Life web application within that. So there's a lot of friction there as well because people just don't remember to do it. And they've literally emailed saying, oh, sorry, I totally forgot about your app. And thank you for reminding me. I'm going to go back to it. And that's just something that we're discovering. We have this renewed focus on analytics. And like I said, now we have more data to actually look at it. We're, we're trying to understand these patterns and that is going to be a big focus for me, I would say the next month or so, just really figuring out these little things that we can do to, to optimize that experience. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, we have the, we're, you know, way early in the process from uh, llama life, but with polar habits, we're having, obviously I'm like, we knew it would be the case, but we're having the same thing where like people will get excited, sign up and then use it. And then, forget it exists because like you said, they're just like doing life and they forget about it one day. And then it's, there's nothing to sort of like remind them, Oh, Hey, you have this habit tracker, like come back and use it. And so that's kind of some of the early things that we've been working on for us. You know, it's different than how llama life works because we're a habit app. We want to be, have some ability for people to set reminders because they want to kind of consistently come back just to remember like, Oh, Hey, I did that thing. I should check it off. 
so that I can see how the momentum chart works and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I think that's kind of a common problem, figuring out how can we make our users remember that it, the app exists and that it helps them without ever being like annoying or anything like that. Because we want it to always be like a good experience. Like what you don't want is someone to feel like, oh, there's that app nagging me again. Like that's not what you want, but you want them to be like, oh yeah, kind of like what you said, people writing in saying, oh yeah, I forgot this app exists, but now that I remember, like that's good that I remember because I want to use it. I think there's a lot of apps that, particularly like you said, apps that are web apps only, like Polar Habits and Llama Life, it becomes more difficult because you don't have kind of like built in being able to do reminders and uh, things like that on the phone. So definitely something to figure out. One of the key things is trying to attach the usage of the app with an emotion. So like a trigger. And I think the perfect example of this is, so say TikTok. Uh, I'm not really a TikTok fan, but I think it's a good example. So if I feel bored, that's my emotion. I feel bored. That's the trigger. I feel bored. Maybe I'll open TikTok. That's kind of the thing as a, as a product, you kind of want to engineer for that, but obviously in a good way. So me feeling bored and opening TikTok, I think that's like a negative thing. I don't want to be sucked into doing that because I could easily go down a rabbit hole. But for Llama Life, everything is always, for me, it feels like more positive. It's like, okay, so I'm feeling overwhelmed with all the tasks I need to do. I want people to think, okay, open Llama Life because that will help me. That's a positive association and that's kind mm -hmm. of what we're trying to, okay, how do we, how do we engineer for that? So it's a good thing. Like, how do we make sure that if someone needs help with organizing stuff or getting through stuff, how do we make them think about Llama Life? Like, how do we keep that top of mind for them and connect the association between, oh, I feel in this, I feel overwhelmed. I don't want to feel this way. Let me open Llama Life to help solve that problem. I think how that would be with polar habits as well. I think it's almost more difficult because you're trying to do a habit. There's many different habits. So how do you kind of attach a trigger to each habit that after I do my habit, I open polar habits and mark it off. Mm -hmm. But it's something like that. Like there's a lot of examples. If you, if you Google, um, I can't remember what the book's name, I think it's called, I think it's hooked by near AI. Yeah. It talks about the trigger, the emotion, and then, you know, how do you sort of bring someone along on that cycle of associating your brand with this problem that they've got or emotion they've got. Yeah, it's definitely something that Marat and I talk about a lot of just like, what are some ways we could do this? We've brainstormed some ideas and we've worked on some, you know, we have like little features we want to add. I mean, one thing, who knows when we can get to it because it's a big thing to tackle, but that's one reason why it would be great to have a mobile app because then you could have like widgets. Like to me, like that is the, the easiest solution of like, oh, wouldn't it be great to have like a widget that was like my momentum chart for polar, from Polar Habits? Like that would be, I would see that every day and be like, oh yeah, I did this thing today. I'm going to go in there and check it off. But I don't know what steps it'll take. You know, that that's a ways down the road because there's just the two of us and we, we're not working full time on it. So we're trying to figure out where the best place to put our resources for now. But that's sort of like an ideal that I would like to get to eventually. And then we're kind of coming out with like, what are some other ideas that we can tackle that help that in the meantime until we can get to what possibly could be kind of an ideal situation. Yeah. Who knows? We're still, yeah, it changes day to day. <laughs> so many people have this challenge. It's just about resources when you're only two people and you said two people working part time, mm -hmm. then where do you spend the time? I think, I think this is what differentiates in some ways the people that, that win. It's like 
they've made the decisions, like the right decisions on where to spend the time and what what is really yeah. important to drive the app forward. And there's always going to be sacrifices and there's always going to be saying no to stuff. But like, can you can you keep making the right decisions to to push it forward so hard? <laughs> and I do think when you're very early, you're, you're sort of flying blind a little bit because you have less data and analytics to look at. There's, there's different ways to get analytics. You can get sort of the quantitative stuff where you're, you're measuring clicks, button clicks and behavior in the app. But when you first start, like you don't really have that. But you can get qualitative feedback, obviously, just by asking customers, mm-hmm. seeing what's important to them. But, you know, you've got to take that with a grain of salt too because sometimes you might have a very passionate person who is, you know, giving you feedback about the app, but maybe they're not really the target or maybe they're never going to upgrade And that's important to note as well, because you can't be building like all these big features for people who aren't going to upgrade. Like there's, you got to balance it. There's always a balance between getting more volume with the app and then getting conversions. Cause you, you can't survive if you don't have any revenue coming in. That's just a fact. Right. I think a lot of people, (laughs) a lot of people just miss that. Like as a customer myself, like, you know, I feel like I'm, since I've made my own apps, I feel like I'm so much more sensitive to that kind of thing and paying for apps because I know like it generates revenue for the creator and without that, mm-hmm. they can't survive. Yeah. I'll, I'll see apps sometimes. And if I can't figure out what the business model is, like I lose faith, like this app's not going to exist in a year. Yeah, exactly. It's, this is exactly. like, I'm, I'm looking at their business model and this is not sustainable. And apparently they don't realize it's not sustainable. Like unless they're like VC funded where they can, you know, something where they can go multiple years without making income. It's like, that's always like really troublesome where like, oh, this person is not charging enough for this app. I don't think it's going to last. <laughs> even even the VC funded though, like there is a limit to that, and especially now because the the, um, the macro climate's not great for for raising money. If you're a VC funded product and Llama Life has got some some small funding, you still can't go on and on and on as completely free. Like you, you need something, whether it's a lot of users who are coming back day after day. So you have like monthly active users, weekly active users, daily active users, but there's got to be something which is happening. Otherwise the product will still die. Right. It's either massive revenue growth or massive user growth and engagement and retention. Otherwise the product, it just still won't survive. So there's gotta be something that's working and goes back to making like the right decisions on where to spend the time and is what you're working on pushing your product forward in some way, mm-hmm. whether you're hitting a revenue goal or you're hitting an engagement goal, like the, the daily active user kind of goal, it's got to be going forward in some way. Otherwise there's no future for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, that sounds really dire, but like that is the fact, like that is cold, hard fact. And um, yeah, there's so many great products that I've seen come and go over the years because of that. All right. Well, I think that's maybe a maybe not <laughs> the a most positive note. note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> what a sad note to end on. Okay, let's 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 go more upbeat. What are you working on this week? What do you um what do you got, what do you got planned? Yeah. So I last week I mentioned like uh, that I want to start like really getting back to the book. Like that's probably one of the biggest reasons that I ended up like putting ADHD nerds on pause was like. I only have so much time and I really need to put a lot more time into finishing up the book because uh, it's in a really good space. I just need to get it across to uh, <laughs> over that finish line uh, to that 100%. So that's a big thing I'm focusing on. And I mentioned like I bought a course, which is sort of helping me, even though I have not touched, I haven't written anything in the last week, but it's been constantly on my mind. So I've been like thinking about things that I want to do to the book and I've been going through the course and getting really great ideas through that. So I think that 
that remains like my big focus for this next week. Right after we get off this call today, I'm going to be diving into the book and like doing some edits there. And that's going to be, yeah, my big focus going forward. Uh, how about you? I'm going to be focusing on the presets. So we've identified like all these little tweaks that we could do to make the discovery of presets better and reduce the friction to use a preset and create a habit, actually create like a habit around using a preset. But we have a lot of different things. So we got to, we need to prioritize going back to the time issue. It's still a problem. There's, there's only two of us working on Llama Life. So we have to prioritize which one of those things are, you know, is most important. And so I'll be doing that early next week and then also starting to work on all these little edits. I think that's going to be my focus for, like I said, probably the next month or so. Like there's, there's a lot to do. Yeah, I'm excited about it because it feels like a, it feels like a smart move in a way. Like mm. a lot of things, like we could go, let's make an app. If I really wanted to, we could make the app like super quick, I think. But it's like, is that where we need to spend the time on at the moment? I know it's a, it's a common request from users, but... There's other things to do as well. So we just need to kind of weigh that up because if we did an app, we could get an influx of users, but then there's more customer service. There's going to be problems, I'm sure, when we first launch an app and then mm -hmm. we're still going to have a leaky bucket. And going back right. to what we said about like thinking long-term, we want to survive. Like what is the best way to survive? Is it to do the mobile app like right now or is it to actually fix some other stuff that will prevent the leaky bucket? So when we do get the app and when we, when we do start doing more advertising or partnerships, that value is not wasted. Those people coming in are not wasted because otherwise they're just going to go straight back out. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of just finding the time to get some of these things right. And yeah, I'm really happy with that kind of decision. And you know what? There's, there's no wrong decisions either. Make the decision, do it. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. But make the decision. Like, So I feel happy that we've made the decision to to do that, like to to put our energy in that. And if it doesn't work, mm -hmm. it doesn't work. That's fine. But we've got a path and we're going to try it and then we'll see what happens. Nice. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, I'll see you next week. Yeah, cool. See you then.